the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. To build bridges with unbelievers. This means that we do more than just know how to defend the faith when we're under attack for it. What it does mean is that we purposely, with the knowledge that we have of the rightness of God's Word, and we know why we believe what we believe through doctrine and apologetics, and we are passionate about God, we are solid in our teaching, we live our life fully for this, and know that God has left us here to engage our community, our culture. Now I'm going out so that I can purposely realize everybody that I come in contact with, in some measure, I want to model Christianity, but I want to go as far as I can to maybe mentor them, or another word would be message them in Christianity. So I want to engage them, and I want to see how far the Lord will allow me to do this so I can purposely go on the here's the word offense. Now, when you hear the word offense, Christians, I didn't say that you go on the offensive. All right, offensive means that you're going to go there and scream at them. You're going to go to hell, turn or burn, try or fry, forsake or bake. You don't say that kind of stuff to them. Don't jump on the um, tailgate of your pickup truck and scream at your fellow employees. Uh, don't uh, get up on your desk and yell at them. You kids, when you go to school, you don't have to wear all the Jesus saves stuff tattooed all over your body. But it does mean that you are going there and you are purposely living a life for the, for the uh, desire to engage them in the message. But you have to do that by building bridges. I think it's only a rare situation that your first contact of opportunity will immediately result in the salvation of that soul. Did you catch that? Can it happen? Yeah. Will it happen often? Rarely. And that's where Satan gets us. Because, okay, we don't try to take it far enough, or we start, but then we never finish the, the, the bridge that we have built. Did you hear what I just said? We start building, but we kind of get distracted because we have spiritual ADD. That's a new term. I've never used that before. That's not even in my notes. But I think that'll work. We get so distracted, we forget, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a, a human being that was in the mind of God before they were in the mother's womb and that I have a purpose in their life. I've got to engage them, and it's going to take time to build that bridge. Some will happen quickly. Some could take years and years and years and years and years, but you stay with them. You answer their questions. You help them out. They're real hot. You go as far as you can. They get cold. You still stay with them, but you wait. You pray. Your heart's desire and prayer is that they become a Christian. So you don't uh, let go of it. Here's an illustration. Apologetics, doctrine, etc. Recently, one of our young people, uh, who is Christ-centered, outreach-minded, sweet testimony, had an adult in her life um, that had a positive influence, still does, and will continue. But she was also concerned about this person. 
And um, so she came to me, this teen, and said, Pastor, I have a person in my life that I would um, like to know. Would you maybe be able to answer some of her questions? Would you, would you like to do that? And I said, you bet. When would you like to? She said, how about right now? I said, okay. So she walked me over to this adult, and she properly introduced us as a very gracious, uh, well-mannered, uh, socially adjusted young lady. And we connected a little bit with this person, and this person um, said, yeah, I do have questions. I've gone to other pastors with my questions, and they just simply say, oh, you just need to study the Bible more. And they walked away. And uh, so she laid out a couple of my questions. They're very deep. They're very common with people that are completely apart from Christianity, knows so little about what it says. But generally it was, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? You know, all that kind of stuff back and forth. And I said, you know, I'd like to answer that question for you, but listen carefully. I said, instead of me just merely answering that question, I have a, a question I want to ask you. Do you believe that the Bible is God's mind and voice on paper? And, um, no, not, not really. I said, maybe we ought to start with that because whatever I give to you is going to come from something. And if I give you this, but you don't believe that, it may be hard for you to, it's just my opinion. So maybe we ought to talk about that. And um, how does that sound to you? Because I'd, I'd be glad to sit down and talk with you as long as you'd like. And you can ask me the toughest questions. You could try to stump me any way you want. I, I, I want to do that. And I'd love for you to have that time. And if I don't know something, I'll be honest and say, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll, I'll, I'll go get it for you. But together we can have an adult conversation about the Word of God and not to feel marginalized or put down in any way. So together we're going to discover what God has to say about your questions. Would you be willing? She said, yep, I sure would. Now for me, because this was a lady, I would not ask her for her phone number, but I did offer her a card, my business card, for us to have that so you could pray for that lady. We haven't gone much further in our conversation. We've got to do some more follow-up. Why am I telling you that? I'm nobody great. But using the principles, you, got, you want that person to know Christ, you have to know sound doctrine, you have to have apologetics, and you have to build bridges, and it takes time to do this. So keep that in mind. Let me give you the next implication. The next is you, have, you can't expect your pastor to evangelize for you. You can't expect your pastor to evangelize for you. Now, some of your now connecting dots and thinking, oh, this young lady should have done it. Now you're saying she shouldn't have done that. And no, 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 don't connect that dot. There are times that, um, how can I say this? Socrates had a good phrase. He said, know thyself. Remember that? Know thyself. I'd like to say, know thy limits. All right? If you're in a situation where you need to go to someone that knows a little bit more than you, then pass that on, you know, so that we're all building the bridge together. This is a key phrase. Evangelism really is teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. One team, one dream, working together. From the pulpit, you'll be encouraged and taught. Hopefully, you'll see us around modeling this when we get into issues of life together as a family here. But at the same time, people are going to come to know the Lord through the, through the door of your small group, through the door of your Sunday school class, through the door of a special event that we have here, through the door of something we do on a Sunday morning, through the door of the pulpit. But everybody has their doors. All of you have your door of life, and you're connecting with people I'll never connect with. And so together, we are going to evangelize separately, but together as well. So you can't expect your pastor to do it, I could say, all alone. So see ourselves as a team and that all of you are entry points that we're all working on this together. But bottom line is simply this. We need to get dead serious about our Christian faith. And that includes even sometimes feeling uncomfortable with those who are outside the faith, knowing that if they don't trust Christ, they don't have everlasting life. So number one, good works do not get us to heaven. Number two, 
because good people are fundamentally deceived about their true condition. That's really true. A lot of lost people think they're already saved, but they're fundamentally deceived by that. Look at the verse, verse 2. I'm not going through all of Romans 10 today so you guys can relax, all right? It says, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Now that's Paul writing to the Christians at Rome, mostly Jews, and he says, for I, have, for I testify about them, he didn't say about you because they were already Christians, but about them, who would be the them, the Jews, that they, who's the they, the Jews, have a zeal for who? God, but not according with knowledge. That goes back to sound doctrine, the accurate understanding of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and why he came and what he did, and how that they can have a better connection to Christ and be a part of his forever family. Now, as you read that, that's what it says in context. The context, that's what it's saying. But if I want to extend it out a step, look at the verse again as I'm reading it to you, and I'm going to show you how that works for where you live today. Because you might say, well, that's 2,000 years ago. That doesn't relate to me. Come on, let's get on with our stuff we want to do this afternoon. Verse 2 says, For I testify about them, those who do not know Christ as Savior, those who have a secular worldview, that they, those who do not know Christ, have a secular worldview and religious things that I don't understand or believe. They have a zeal for... Whatever they believe, but it's not according with the knowledge of God's word. They do not have an understanding of God's word. So they have a deception going on. They're deceived. What they believe they think is true, and it's really not true. And so my job is to help them to have a better understanding of what God has to say. Now let me go back to the Jewish people again in context, all right? The Jewish people, they had a lot of zeal. In fact, that zeal really talks about a heartfelt passion. They were so zealous for what they did. It was a, it was a zeal that was more than an attitude. It was an action. They, they, they did stuff with that zeal, all right? And in their zeal, historically, they had this system of law, not Ten Commandments, but a whole lot more than that. Then they had all the different principles of you eat this, you don't eat that. You sacrifice this, but you can't sacrifice that. You have to do it on this day, but not that day. You do it here, the gals do it there. It all has to be done in a certain place, certain time, a certain way. So they were so just immersed in all of this, they still didn't know Christ as their Savior. And that was their problem. They were deceived thinking that that was the case. So what happens then when that is going on? That system has two problems. Listen carefully. Any religion, but this Jewish system had it. Two problems. Number one is this. There was so much for them to do. They couldn't do it all. They couldn't remember it all. And yet somehow they thought if they just kept on doing it all, they might make it to heaven. They might have that eternal relationship with God. And that's the problem with religions today. You look at all of them, most of them, they have no idea. Now... I want you to look at me for just a second. I want you to see as much love on my face as I possibly can muster right now because it's in my heart. One very long old person came to someone in the Buddhist faith, Buddhism, and said, in all of your writings, did even Buddha himself, and I'm using that term generically now, did Buddha, did he ever get to the final stage of enlightenment? No, we never know if he ever will. So you see, you just have to keep on, keeping on, keeping on. And here's the other problem with it. When you get so caught up in doing all these good deeds, what becomes the absent part of it all is the reason we're doing it is to worship God from a heart of faith. And God says, you know, it's not about all that stuff you do outwardly to get to heaven. It's an inward act of a total dependence upon Christ. And yes, from that, you will then see some fruit. But at this time, the salvation part is just the in your heart believing it. 
And so, folks, that's what that verse is really talking about there. They had a zeal for God, but they certainly um, didn't have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And even in our good works, the Bible says that our good works are like filthy rags, and they won't get us to heaven. Let me give you number three, because good people think they don't need Jesus. Because good people, they often don't think they need Jesus. And while you're doing this, you might want to write this phrase down. How can I say this? All right, I'll say it this way. It's easier to get a person saved than it is to get a person lost. Think about what I just said. It's easier to get a person saved than it is to get a person lost. So many people today hang on to their good works in some measure that when you finally say, abandon your works totally and then abandon yourself to Christ and Christ alone and place your faith alone in Him without any reliance upon your faith, that's so hard for them to do that. So you have to get them lost. And sometimes for them to see their utter depravity, their utter lostness, and even the fact that they're doing good deeds, that there's a certain element of pride involved in that, that that too is a sin, and that they need Christ and Christ alone, that creates the problem that they don't need Jesus. I've done the best that I really... I mean, I kind of need Jesus as long as he's kind of partner with me on this thing. And when that happens, and it's like what Jesus did on the cross wasn't good enough, I have to help him out. Look at the verse, verse 3 and 4, it says, same people, for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, and in the margin you could write the word righteousness. So they didn't want God's righteousness, but they sought to establish their own, so they kind of made up their own religion. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of of God, They didn't want God's righteousness given to them by faith. It says, for Christ is the end or the completion or the fulfillment of the law for righteousness. In other words, it's all about Christ. It ended with Christ. To everyone who believes. So notice it doesn't say to everyone who's baptized, to everyone who goes to church, to everyone who believes and is baptized, to everyone who believes and behaves. It says to everyone who believes, period, in the subject right there. Now look up here, if you will, for a moment. They did a worship song today, and they had a verse that was set to music that was just glorious. I was just, I was just so excited. Let my right hand represent you and me, and let my wallet represent sin. The Bible says we all have sin on us. The Bible says that because of that sin, we're separated from God, and when we die, we'll spend eternity separated from God. To go to heaven, though, I don't do any good works to get to heaven. I've got to be perfect to go to heaven, and I'm not. I have sin on me. Now watch carefully. Let my left hand represent God who took on flesh, Jesus Christ. He is perfect. He is righteous. He's the end of righteousness because he is righteous. Here am I. I have my sin. My sin separates me from Christ, separates me from heaven. God loves me, but he hates my sin. So notice what happens. Jesus died, took my sin on himself, past, present, and future, big sins, little sins, died, and he rose again. Now here am I with my sins paid for by Christ, but I still don't go to heaven even though my sins are paid for by Christ. Now watch. This is Christ over here. Now when I place my faith alone in Christ, here's what happens. The righteousness that's in God, the righteousness that's in Christ, because of my belief in Christ, he then gives me his righteousness to go to heaven. And here's the verse that was said in the song. 2 Corinthians 5.21 It says, For he, God, hath made him Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, but he was made sin for us so that we now might be made the righteousness of God, but in him, when we are in Christ by faith that's given to us. 
So that's why this point is simply, they don't think they need Jesus, and they desperately need Jesus Christ and Him alone in order for them to have everlasting life. So there's only one way to have eternal life, and that's through faith in Him. All right, so here's the question. Are good people really going to go to heaven, and are you good enough to get there? No, nobody's good enough to get there by their good deeds. James chapter 2 says, you break the law in one point, you're guilty of it all. Practically speaking, if I had a nice bowl of cereal here and I drop one little bit of cyanide in there, even though there's more cereal than cyanide, I'm still going to die. So no matter how good I am, no matter one little act of badness, I've broken it. We all could admit we've missed the mark of God's perfection. So good works do not go to heaven. Martin Luther said this. He says, God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbors do. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Because it's not by our good works. So are you a saved person? How about your works? How good do you have to be? Here's a theological quiz. Do you have to be pretty good, very good, as good as Uncle Bill and Auntie Malia, or perfect to go to heaven? You have to be perfect. We're not. Watch this. We need his perfection given to us. So the question is, if I can't get there by my perfection, I'm not perfect. Watch this. I need someone else who is perfect, and that is Christ to give me salvation in my place. And that's where Christ comes in. That's why we say good people go to heaven. Yep. Bad people go to heaven. Yep. As long as they have placed their faith in Christ and are not relying upon Christ, uh, relying upon their good works. Boy, I've got to really bring this thing to a close. So let me finish this up because next week I've got, I, I got a kicking message I can't wait to give to you next week about outreach. Why this message is so important? Because Jesus is the only source. But the righteousness based on faith, remember we talked about that, speaks as follows. Don't say in your heart, who's going to ascend up to heaven? That is to bring Christ down. There's no need to bring Christ back. He already died for sin. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. We don't need to bring him up from the dead. Why? Because he's already resurrected from the Lord. Everything has been done. Christ said, finished. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith with which we're preaching. Look up here. You don't need any more in order for you to know enough to go to heaven. Christ doesn't have to do one more thing, come down, come up, or anything. Everything you know about salvation, I'm preaching to you right now. It is so near that you can trust Christ right now. You have to walk an aisle, fill out a card, jump up and down, get baptized, nothing. Just right now in your own heart, you can call upon the Lord as your Savior. He is the only source. Keep that in mind. Number two, why is this message so important? Not only is um, he the source of it, but the message is so simple. It says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now, that was important for the Jews because um, they didn't believe that Jesus was God and, and Lord and Master. It says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So you have to believe who he is and what he did. He died and he rose again. You'll be saved. And the word confess is not so much that it has to be an audible thing. It needs to be something that there's a commitment going on. The commitment is faith. It's not that you're committing your life to live a new life for him. You're committing him as Lord and that you're trusting him as the one who died and rose again. You're believing that he is the Lord who died and rose again. It says, for the heart, with the heart believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses and results in salvation. So it's simply by faith and faith alone. Number three. And I'll end with this. Because of the availability of salvation. The operative word there is availability. Look at the verse. It says this. For the scripture says, whoever believes. So wherever you are listening to this verse right now, whoever you are, that means whatever kind of person you are. So you could circle that. A bad person, a good person, a male, a female, whatever religious background you've had, whatever religious background you have now, whoever you are, if you, watch this, believe in him. Would you mark that in your Bible? It doesn't say 
behave. It doesn't say believe and behave. And frankly, it doesn't even say whoever believes will not be disappointed because you can believe, but it's not your belief that saves you. It's the object, which is Christ. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And why it's available to everyone, it says, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the Lord is Lord of all. That means you don't have to make him the Lord of your life to go to heaven. He is already the Lord. And he says he's abounding in riches for all. Circle the word all there. It's available to any one of you who will call on the name of the Lord. And that is that act of trusting Christ. You're calling on him. I'm believing in him. So it's not just a head knowledge. It is, it is a full reliance upon him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord, the promise is you will be saved. Not might be saved. Hopefully you'll be saved. Think you'll be saved. We'll see when you die if you're saved. You will be saved. Not later, but right now. Okay. Two thoughts and then we'll pray and have our communion. Here it is. If you have not trusted Christ as Savior, I can't, I can't trust Christ for you. All I can tell you is every ounce of my being, I believe the Bible is inspired and I believe it objectively more than I believe it subjectively. I know it's true. I also know that I have spent so many hours studying the Word, and I can tell you the authority of many theologians. There is no change in doctrine that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And also Scripture says that you must trust Christ as your Savior to go to heaven, no matter how good you are or how bad you are. It's whosoever calls upon Him to be your Savior. Please do that now. Please do that now. Please do it now. That's number one. Now, to those who have trusted Christ as Savior, this is the only message, essentially, your family and friends and acquaintances need to know in order to go to heaven. Good people don't get there. Bad people don't get there. Saved people get there. Christians get there. Blood-bought, born-again believers in Christ get there. But how will they ever get there unless they believe? And how will they ever believe unless they hear? And how will they ever hear unless they're sent? And that's next week's message. So this week, between now and next week, would you ask the Lord now to help you to go through these truths? Salvation is by faith alone. You do need to know sound doctrine and make a commitment to understanding that, that you'll be equipped in apologetics, that you'll be patient and bridge building with people all around you. But it's the purpose of not just so they like you and you're a good Christian around them. It's so that somehow you can bring them the message of salvation by faith alone. And would you pray from a heart's desire that they would be saved? Let's pray, shall we? In just a few moments, we're going to open up our communion here. And when we do, it's a time for us to remember what the Lord did for us on the cross. And when you do this, you're going to remember that he died, shed his blood, he died, rose again, so that salvation would be by faith and not by works. If it was by works, then Jesus didn't need to die. If it was by faith and works, then that's saying Jesus' death wasn't good enough. When we say it's... By faith alone in Christ, what we're saying is what Jesus did was enough once and for all. Would you right now trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? Please do it right now. This this gets you in the door of a spiritual Disneyland. It doesn't get you through the whole park yet, but it gets you through the door. Yes, you have eternal life. Yes, you have a deed to the park. Yes, you have the promise of the Spirit inside of you. Yes, your sins are paid for. Yes, you have an eternal relationship, not with the mouse, but with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But you must trust Christ. You must receive that ticket that was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection.
So maybe say this to the Lord. Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I'm one of those whosoevers. Whoever I am, whatever I've done, I'm coming to you just as I am as a whosoever. And I'm trusting in you. But if there's anyone in here today that's trusting Christ and you'd like for me to pray for you, would you slip up your hand because today was the day you're trusting Christ. Put it up real high, all over. Let me see it. Anyone at all. Thank you. Thank you. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for these dear, wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for this one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they were trusting you as Savior today. Not by the hand and not by my prayer, but by their faith. Their little childlike faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you that their sins are forgiven. They have a home in heaven now and an eternal relationship with you. And then, Father, help all of us to realize that good works will get no one to heaven, that all religions are the same. They're built on works where Christianity is built on Christ, and Christ says it's by faith, just believing in him. Help us to realize the importance of knowing sound doctrine and paying the price to change our schedules to learn it, to know it, so we have it. And then help us, Father, to understand what true apologetics is, the what and the why of explaining our faith in a rational way, showing them the veracity of Scripture and that it is your mind and voice on paper. Help us now to build bridges to those that are around us that it's not going to be built overnight, but it's going to be a long, but actually a a growing relationship with them with the end being that they not only would come to faith in you, but they would go on to become a fully obedient worshiper of you. Help us not to rely on other people to do that, but to realize that the responsibility falls on us, but yet a part of a team. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.